Good morning, hello, and welcome to the Standing Room Only Podcast. Yes, I'm your host, Ben Standing, and I cover the Washington Commanders for The Athletic, which means on Thursday, I was at the MGM Casino over in National Harbor for the Welcome Home Luncheon. Uh, Tanya Snyder made some remarks. The great Doc Walker and Julie Donaldson were the co-hosts. Various players received awards. Terry McLaurin, Offensive Player of the Year. Uh, John Allen for the defense. Tress Way for special teams. Charles Leno for a community. And I spoke with our friend Pete Haley from NBC Sports Washington. There, we we had a, a conversation in the lobby outside of the ballroom where they had the luncheon to discuss the latest news involving this team, this roster. The, the team on yet uh, on uh, Thursday morning placed running back Brian Robinson on the non-injury football list, which means he'll miss at least the first four games of the regular season. Obviously not the biggest surprise, considering the young man was shot twice at, uh, during a robbery attempt on Sunday. Obviously, the, the important news is he's doing well, it appears, and is making... Um, you know, he's, he's had, looks like he's going to have a real shot to play. Pete and I will discuss that decision, potential uh, roster and game plan ramifications. Plus, we get into the other uh, moves of in recent days uh, and a little bit of a forecast for the season. Uh, in addition to that, Brad Edwards, former uh, member of the 1991, well, not a former member, he was on the team, a member of the 19. 19- 91 Super Bowl champs under Joe Gibbs played safety. He is uh, he was there at the Washington Harbor. He is also, of course, the athletic director at George Mason. So Brad and I had a chance to talk about alumni days. He gave me a, a, a fun story about a college bas a, a very prominent college basketball coach reaching out to him to talk about Joe Gibbs. And we talk a little a little bit about what to expect from George Mason this year. Of course, uh, Brad is. Uh, he, he's overseeing the athletic department, which it, it involves as well Daryl Green. Uh, so we'll get to all that here in a moment on the Standard Room Only podcast. Of course, make sure you subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you do your podcasting. In addition, as for my written work over on the athletic, go take a look. I have a, a I mentioned earlier in the week part one of my NFL survey talking a lot of big league issues. Uh, Lamar Jackson's contract, who has the, who is the biggest power player in the NFL and who is the, the number one person working behind the scenes. Uh, we talked about general managers, the best ones, those you trust, those you don't. And of course, there's a question about Dan Snyder and whether the other owners would ever look to vote him out. I have part two up if you have not seen it. I asked these agents, 26 in total, for their thoughts on the Washington Commanders. Three specific questions. Number one, do does Dan Snyder's situations impact what you tell clients about possibly signing with the Washington Commanders? Uh, I think I you know look at like sort of on the end of the day, purely from the football perspective, not talking about the real life aspects. The, the allegations of, of harassment and, and otherwise against this group and what they've done or against, you know, what they've done internally to, to fix things. Um, but at the end of the day, from a football perspective, it's 
how do they, you know, how do you get players? I think this was a really interesting look at how agents think about these kinds of situations. Also asked about Ron Rivera and the front office. What are um, what do these agents think? These agents, of course, negotiate contracts uh, with the front office. They're dealing with them from a scouting perspective, uh, roster decision perspective. So their view, and they talked about Ron Rivera, Martin Mayhew, uh, Rob Rogers, these you know. Uh, person mostly in charge of the contracts and also got a, got their sense of some deeper cuts within the lot within the front office of people who are potential standouts in there last but not least these agents have clients around the league but they many of them have had clients that have played previously with Carson Wentz and they have you know, other clients on, uh, or or at a minimum, they speak with, sorry, the uh, people inside the organization of the Colts and the Eagles where Wentz was. So I got their view of Carson Wentz, the player, what they, what they know of him as a person, as well as Washington's decision to make the trade. So a really interesting discussion. Um, I, I will just say that, um, you know, obviously, when any anytime you're talking outside perspective of this organization on all fronts, you're going to hear some tough talk, some some negative vibes. But I, I, I tried to show the balance of the situation because there were plenty of people who view, uh, like you know, who who don't view, uh, the Snyder situation as a negative when it comes to whether or not they would do business with Washington. As one agent put it. We don't get to. Our, we have to do best for our clients. We we have only thirty two places, thirty two potential employers we can join. We can have our players sign up with. We don't get to control who the owner is. Um, the that the front office that Bruce Allen is no longer around still means there's like you know that that new car smell still exists on with Ron Rivera and his group. And as far as Carson Wentz, obviously we've heard a lot of the. Uh, criticisms, concerns about him from those previous stops. At the same point, try to provide the perspective of what's been happening here in Washington since he arrived. So you check all that out over on The Athletic. Subscribe to those articles, and you get everything on The Athletic as well. If you're a fantasy football person um, who's got a draft coming up either this weekend or next, early next week like I do, um, amazing resources in there. Uh, of course, you also get all our other coverage from around the country and the globe. All right. Um, let's get to it. Uh, we'll start with Pete Haley and I, we talk of course of again about Brian Robinson, John Bostic is back on the roster. We, we got into that and some of the other factors, uh, with this roster and, and, and the forecast for the year as well. Then my conversation, former Redskin Super Bowl champion again. I, I keep saying former. You know what I mean. <laughs> uh, it talked about alumni life and that Joe Gibbs era and a lot more. So, and by the way, before I forget, Pete Haley on Twitter is at Pete Haley NBCS. And um, I mentioned Bostic. You know, it is wild after all this talk of all this. What are they going to do at linebacker? What kind of changes are they going to have? When are they going to add some help? All that. They're they're going into the season with the top four linebackers they had from last year: Cole Holcomb, Jamin Davis, John Bostic, and David Mayo, who also resigned. That is wacky. This was a group that was really not impressive last year. 
Cole Holcomb, of course, is a solid player. And, you know, what we know, Jamie Davis is still a work in progress. John Bostic, a very nice guy. Um, you know, it seemed like they were moving on for a reason. And, you know, David Mayo really didn't play much last year until the injury struck. That is where they're entering the season with Milo Eifler as, a, as another linebacker, which is different. But just wacky that that's kind of where things have landed for this group. Anyway, let's get to it, starting with Pete Haley, then Brad Edwards, right now on the Standard Room Only Podcast. All right, joining me here from the Welcome Home Lunch, as as promised, he is he's the guy who I think, you know, if we had to say who had one of the best training camps, I legitimately would say it was this guy, Pete Haley from NBC Sports Washington. Uh, Peter, thank you for, for, for doing this. Did you uh, get sufficiently fed? Do you feel you feel, you feel feel uh, nourished and ready to go for this podcast? Uh, definitely nourished. And the fact that you say I was one of the MVPs of camp helps that cause. You are uh, too kind for saying that. You've advised me to write more fun featurey stories and i finally took your advice after about three years and it led to some what i hope is strong content you, you did a good job I, I will say like legitimately you're the the idea of like the second player taking a rise like sure jamie davis right this is one of those things with deami brown that you did it for the long snapper because i don't even know is, is that a thing did you did you unearth and whether the long snapper can make her jump yes that was my exact uh my exact thesis hypothesis whatever you want to call it and in talking to Cam Cheeseman and Nate Katzer, they feel like he is taking a jump and being more confident and knowing the looks up front and knowing what it takes to block NFL players. Um, and his consistency is up. So hopefully the other guys who play more pressing positions take the jump too, but don't sleep on the cheese. It's important. I, I, you know, he we didn't talk about him last year in the best way possible. I always wonder, this is a, another complete other topic, but injuries happen. And like if they have nine offensive lineman currently on the 53 uh, on the 53 sometimes on game day maybe it was only eight if it came to it that multiple guys got hurt could the long snapper play like uh, you know in theory yes but i've i mean i have no idea we never saw nick sunberg play i don't think yeah i mean he's by regular human measures cam is a pretty large guy but by offensive lineman measures i think he would get targeted quite a bit by uh, opposing defensive coordinators if he ever had to play up front and protect carson once you'd see a lot of runs away from him i think it'd be intriguing and also if uh, Cheeseman ever turned an ankle or, or broke a finger, who would be the long snapper? Is it, is it Logan Thomas? Seems like he can do everything. Maybe it's just him. I don't know. You put Tress Way. Uh, Tress Way has to do it. Even. Yeah, Tress snaps it to himself. Just becomes a one-man band. I, I have faith that he could pull it off. Absolutely. All right. This is why, of course, you turn into this podcast because it's all about the long snapper. Even though there's actual news in the air, they just said this morning that Brian Robinson will go on the NFI list, so he's out at least four games. I mean, obviously, that seems like a fairly reasonable call but the fact that they waited a couple of days after the 53 was it seemed to indicate that they were hopeful or at least there was at least a, a world where he could be able to possibly play in the first month basically Ron Rivera said he didn't give us too many details but basically was like let him recover mentally physically and that all seems reasonable what, what, what's your view on sort of the whole Brian Robinson deal yeah I, I too when they were making all these roster moves to bring in corners that they claimed I thought well, if they're not moving Robinson to the list, that might mean that he's going to be okay and can play in week two or week three. Um, I guess in the end, that was too much to ask. And also, that's totally okay for that to be too much to ask. He dealt with something no football player should ever have to deal with. Uh, luckily, this is happening at one of their better positions in terms of death. I know, in terms of depth, I should say. I know Antonio Gibson may have uh, 
you know, fallen out of favor from some fans, but I think you can still make do with him as your running back. McKissick, of course, has his special talents. Then they like what Jonathan Williams offers. So, you know, if it's four games, five games, hopefully not much more than that. And in the meantime, I think there's a trio there that can uh, keep this offense moving at a decent clip. Yeah, I mean, I think what's, I mean, look, again, as I, I'm going to have to, we're going to have to stop saying this, at least I will. Like, obviously, we're, we're, it's great that he's even, you know, he's, he's here. Tanya Snyder spoke about him for a few minutes, called it a consensus act, yeah. um, which, is, of course, is, is the case. And we're, we're thrilled that, you know, he's able to get back to, you know, he's here. He's getting, he start getting back to, to, to uh, his normal stuff. In terms of the football, like I was convinced going way back before the draft that they were going to have to they were going to figure out how to add a running back because that four game winning streak last year people have heard me talk about this the four game winning streak the ball control offense was really I think what led the way and that was Antonio Gibson's best stretch of the year but consistently it was hard for him to get there and they wanted that guy so what I'm wondering now is you know Gibson if if they if Brian Robinson never exists none of us are saying oh this is terrible that Gibson is playing <laughs> right he's a really good player. But it's a different style, and I do kind of wonder, will they – I think literally Antonio Gibson just walked by us as I was saying that. Um, but uh, will they try to keep him in the role that they were maybe starting to envision him in? Not necessarily the kicker turn apart, but just the, the other part, and have Jonathan Williams do some of the in, interior running. That will be sort of interesting to me because I think that's the basis of what they're trying – to, to, to do what what would you rather them have Gibson go back to doing what he was or play it out the way they were starting the lean yeah I like the way they were they were going with Gibson which yeah like you said it's, it's almost weird to be like oh man the guy who had a thousand yards and 10 total touchdowns last year has to be the starter again how unfortunate but um, Robinson looked to be just the better fit there in terms of a straight up running back and I enjoyed the idea of getting Gibson the ball more in space um, so I think Williams will factor in more than some people might be expecting. Uh, it's it's strange, but this coaching staff missed Peyton Barber last year, and they liked having a guy who could just be counted on to go get four or five yards. Maybe that was a lot to ask for Peyton, but that sort of idea, I think Williams can step in there, be your traditional running back, and then you let Gibson and McKissick be more the, the guys who are dynamic, uh, go towards the edge, and, and try and attack people on the uh, boundary. It, it's amazing. A year later, and Peyton Barber is still a topic that, like, huh. you know, a guy that I don't know if we didn't appreciate. He was obviously really good in the short yardage stuff, but you know, I mean, I, he he did way better with the Raiders than he ever did here. But it just, you know, it's just funny that like, yeah, all this time later, you know, no, we're, we're missing uh, Peyton Barber. All right, so so good stuff there. I don't know what fantasy football people do. I, I'm gonna have my first draft tonight. I have no idea how to if I had to deal with this situation, but I reminded you about your draft because we were like, <laughs> hey, let's record this on Thursday. It's like, all right, well, we got the luncheon, and then I have a draft, and then Ben was like. Oh, crap. I have a draft, too. So I'm glad you remember that it's happening. Yeah, I, I, I do. We'll, we'll figure out what the we'll, – we'll do some homework after this uh, after this luncheon. All right, so the other they, – they, Robinson going to NFI was one of several moves they've made over the last 24 hours. Perhaps the most interesting is John Bostic is back, as Antonio Gibson walks by again. Uh, John Bostic is back. We just saw him in the luncheon. He's sitting, like, two feet away from us. I, things I was not necessarily expecting today, and yet simultaneously – Wow, of course. Like, I, I tweeted yesterday that the Ron Rivera going to get all the Panthers, now it's happening here. This is his third year, and Bostic is a guy he knows for the same reasons he brought in Carolina people. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I promise you, I was asked about this on a podcast last night, like a fan show, and I had the same, like, uh, uh, I don't know. Like, yes, the familiarity's there. 
you know, they like what John can provide in terms of leadership. That's what Ron said. It will benefit Jamin, but he's he's a liability in so many ways. And to me, not that I'm, like, super disappointed because I'm not in charge of this team. If they win or lose, like, it doesn't necessarily affect me directly. But I would have liked them to have taken a shot on someone, you know, like the corners they signed, Castro Fields. Toolsy, but just didn't work out in his first place. But maybe in a new change of surroundings, new coaches, you can get something out of him and expand on his ceiling. But Bostic, we know what he is. He's a slower linebacker, helps against the run in theory, but I, he misses some tackles and is not good in coverage. So when I saw that, I understood it, but I really didn't enjoy seeing it. I'll leave it at that. Right. I mean, so they in the series of moves they've made, they cut Dejon Harris, who made the initial. 53 and look i'm not gonna lie and sit here and tell you i studied dejon harris all summer he did a couple good things and i i wrote earlier in the month or i guess it's now september 1st earlier in the last yes. month that he was starting to impress the coach a little bit i didn't think he would make the 53 i would rather sort of like you said have that guy i you know i don't know maybe it doesn't work out but at least there's the unknown and potential versus uh you know bostic was to me sort of a, i don't want to be rude but a sort of a replacement level level kind of player and that's this defense needed more than that we saw him play at the beginning of last year wasn't good before the injury so it's curious uh ron rivera i asked him today whether having bostic back would change how often they would do a 4-3 shockingly he d- refused to or he uh, chose <laughs> to not respond to that I, i'm kind of gonna kind of guess no to that though because it does feel like they've moved into this other situation at a minimum, they needed more linebacker depth. So I guess we could at least say they, they did that. Um, anything else they did over the last couple of days? You mentioned uh, one of the new cornerbacks. Anything else uh, stand out to you of uh, whatever they did or didn't do? Um, no, I mean, getting David Mayo back in, in as well for that linebacker room. Yeah, like Bostic. Look, it's not like they're going to bring him in here and necessarily play him 60 plays. Uh, Ron indicated that he liked what he saw from the New Orleans Saints tape, which is where Bostic was before this, there for a couple weeks. I don't know how much they found and if that was just an empty comment. But uh, as long as it's Cole and Jamin for the most part and John's there for some running plays, like how they were going to use Mayo or or how they will use Mayo, whatever, he's going to be a role player. But, again, I would have liked that role to have gone to an unknown and maybe get lucky versus a known, and you're probably going to be saying, darn it, John, more so than that's a great play, John. Yeah, 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 for for, for sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. It's kind of, I don't know. Well, enough of that. Uh, <laughs> um, with regards to the overall roster, I haven't, had, I haven't had you on the podcast, of course, for a little bit since they've, uh, certainly since they've done the 53. Um, I had Nikki Jabala on the other day, and I said to her, give me one word to describe the roster. Uh, her word was non-contender. My, my, my word was essentially top-heavy. Uh, oh, so I like put, those. So, Both of those are hyphenated, by the way. Yes, I worked that out. Yeah. So putting you on the spot, do you have a word that you would like to uh, identify this team with? I would, I would say it's uneven. Like, I'm... Yeah. And this could come back to bite me when I trust Curtis Samuel because trusting Curtis Samuel to stay healthy is is a very risky thing to do as we stand in a casino, which is a very risky place to be. <laughs> you, you try to eliminate risk in these places, and I'm trusting Curtis Samuel. But I, I like what they have at receiver. I like what they have at running back. I think the O-line's pretty good, and I, I'm intrigued by tight end. Uh, but then there's cornerbacks. The starters, you know who they are, but even they have question marks or flaws. Um, the D-line has really big names, but not really big production. And then, of course, quarterback, we spent months debating what's going to come from there. So it's an uneven roster, and to me, that's 
upsetting a bit for a coaching staff that's in its third year. And uh, you can largely boil it down to it's a quarterback league. So if Carson plays well, then everything's going to jump up around him. But for just the overall balance of the squad, it's not as there as much as I think this program, this regime should have it after three years. And I hope they uh, don't use that as an excuse or have other excuses ready because I'm going to stop. I'm going to start ignoring them because, look, how much time can you get as an NFL coaching staff? The time is now. And uh, hopefully this roster can surprise me. Yeah. I mean, when I made the top heavy comment, I was kind of like the starting lineup on both sides you know, could contend for something. I mean, you know, I'm not saying it's as good as Kansas City, but they have enough. It's just when you start to lose a piece or two, especially in certain spots, you mentioned cornerback, no idea what to make of, of, of that group at this point, even less than I did before when we thought it was Corn Elder and Danny Johnson, two guys who were back on the practice squad. Um, but speaking of the secondary, uh, we showed up at practice yesterday, and I'm looking at my Twitter because <laughs> I, I was slow to get down to the field, and an Eagle Eye reporter tweets out a picture of Cam Curl in a sling and it looks like his arms in a cast were like or his hands in a cast were like uh what the and, and you know ron rivera has they don't have to technically tell us anything until next week about injuries so he's choosing to, to to do that and it's hard to speculate too much that said like if you talk like if you would say if, if one of the questions here was who's a break at the breakout player of the year i think i might have said him at least for the defense because i you know i just think cam curl's a playmaker and it just seems like he keeps getting better and better Again, no idea what's going to happen, but this is what we're talking about. If he were to be out, it's mostly unproven guys behind him. Interesting guys, and mm -hmm. Derek Forrest, Percy Butler, and I guess Jeremy Reeves, but we don't know. And that's where like it starts getting weird. Uh, so I, you can speculate all you want on Cam Curl if you want to tell everybody he's out for the year or he'll be back tomorrow. But uh, what, 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 when you saw that, you were like, what were you thinking? Right. Um, it's it's funny. I never go over to that side of the field. And I think I might have told you that like during training camp one day and you're like, oh, I'm here all the time. Like, so I was walking down and I said, you know what? There's enough period, enough of the stretching period left. Uh, I'm going to walk around and just see what I can see. And as I was walking over, I said, there's a dude in a sweatshirt with a sling on. Is that coach? Is that someone who's visiting? And I got closer and closer. And I said, oh, F, that's Cam Curl. And look, no one else was around. So I said, this is cool. I'll be able to tweet it out first. And um, in terms of the severity, like, the, the attitude with this seems to be it's okay, and I think ultimately that will be how it is based on murmurs we've heard or, or other reports or tweets you've seen. But still, what can be in a sling that is then fine in a couple of days? Sprained shoulder, or a banged up wrist, if it was more just so to hold his, his wrist up and the, the injuries there as opposed to the shoulder or the arm, fine. But uh, regardless, seeing Cam Curl in a sling was not what I had on that Wednesday practice that was... By all intents and purposes, it's supposed to be a pretty nondescript uh, session for this team. Yeah, at the end of last week, he walked off the field with a trainer at some point at end of practice, and, you know, don't think too much about it. You never know. Uh, especially he's walking, right? Typically, yeah. we're thinking yeah, yeah, of like yeah. that, that, that type of issue. So we'll have to see about that. But, you know, so now you have Cam Curl uncertain. We know Chase Young is out at least four weeks, and we know Brian Robbins is out at least four weeks. I mean, if I were to have ranked the if we had ranked the players like, most important. I mean, those three guys, especially what we've seen with Robinson, are going to be high on the list. You know, so other guys are going to have to uh, step up, and certainly at least for those first uh, four games. Um, before we get back into whatever's going on in there, uh, you've now watched Carson Wentz all summer. Has whatever your opinion of him was before it started, where has it changed at all? And if so, in what direction? Uh, I'm a little perturbed with myself because I went into training camp like, look, be patient. There's going to be good, there's going to be bad. But I guess because we were all so intent on looking at him 
and you're seeing him for the first time that the first week or so I'm like wow this is pretty disappointing he's not clicking and I let that color my analysis a little too much instead of you know giving it more time and being more reasoned and then as once he found more chemistry had more reps with these guys I think he balanced out I was encouraged by what he did in the preseason nothing flashy of course but at least just getting the ball out letting his receivers do the work I think if he does that a lot in 2022 it'll be beneficial Um, so ultimately from when they acquired him to now my opinion hasn't changed he's gonna strike us with his great plays and he's going to make us so salty with his bad ones um, but based on what I saw at the beginning of training camp to now yes I do feel a little bit more calm and uh, and like okay I think this offense is going to be okay I feel way better about the offense than the defense which I don't know who that speaks more about um, but I think this team will be able to score I just don't know if they'll be able to score enough it's amazing could you imagine at this point last year saying in going into 2022 you'll be more confident with the offense and the defense you'd be like uh yeah. what what who 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 did kyle allen turn into aaron Rodgers? like how is that possible <laughs> um and, and look don't be hard on yourself about the wins thing this is the difference between a daily writer versus like a bill barnwell we have to write every day we have to formulate opinions and the reality was he was wildly inaccurate a lot of days and that's what we're saying and then of course when we start saying this then people start either yelling at the situation or yelling at us then we have to feel defensive and we get into that and you're right over time it's looked a little bit better i think in part because uh well one just you know the offensive linemen have, have pads he's getting used to his guys and also just um i felt like the, early in camp he was felt like he's trying to throw down the field a bit more and it went a little more underneath later i'm not saying there was game managery but it felt a little bit more and he seems to be much better when he's able to get rid of the ball quick when he's having to stand back and look is where I think things seem to go awry. So we'll see how that translates um, out there for real. Um, I guess last thing, just get, oh, when you were on last time, I, I meant to look this up, but I forgot. Maybe you remember. We we because we, our Lloyd Carrington bit of who's going to be the rando dude uh-huh. that makes the team. I don't remember if you, I don't remember who I said. I don't know if, remember if you know who you said. But there are some randos who made this team, namely the tight ends, Armani Rogers and Curtis Hodges. I mean, Hodges, we at least were talking about back in OTA days. Armani Rogers just came out, kind of came out of nowhere because of all the injuries, and they both made the team. So if nothing else, nobody's going to go. Nobody's going to go back and listen to that old one. We'll just say we picked them, unless you remember who you actually said. Oh, I don't remember. I, there's a, one brain cell making me want to say Armani Rogers, but there's no way in hell I knew this was going to go that well. So I'm not going to take credit for it. But yes, Lloyd Carrington. Uh, just a, a name everyone knows who follows this team. And, yeah, of course. And, yeah, it, it, I first discovered him. So his zero games played are on my resume, my scouting resume. Look, I, you know, the, 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 the scouting eye says it all falls for what it wants. You can't, you can't, uh, you can't control it always. Uh, Pete, great job. Uh, go listen to Pete. I always butcher this. The Washington Talk. No, it's Washington butcher. Football. Yeah. Uh, Washington Football Talk podcast. It's a, it's a, it's a. I like to say it's a good show with a bad name. Go check it out after you're listening, done listening to this one. And uh, of course, uh, NBC Sports Washington. He's there with all the pregame and uh, postgame stuff. Last week he's doing the Ray Lewis dance. <laughs> so uh, I'll be curious to see what you have going on for uh, week one. Uh, Pete, you the man. I appreciate it. Let's go, let's go see what the, what's going on in, back in the ballroom. All right, to the ballroom. All right. Uh, as promised, joining me here also at the Welcome Home Luncheon, he is the athletic director at George Mason. But for the purposes of this podcast, you know him as the Super Bowl champion safety from the Washington Redskins, 
Brad Edwards, my guy. Great to see you. Uh, appreciate you being here. How is it? Uh, how's everything going? You're being, you're around all your alumni. This is the first time you've seen all these guys in a while, I assume. Yeah, you know, we, we've uh, run actually run into a, a number of guys throughout last season. You know, with uh, at, at the alumni game and, and two or three games actually throughout the uh, season. You know, with the Commanders last year. So that was great as we started to kind of come out of COVID last year and things began to open up. So. But it's it's really great. You feel like this is really the first kind of it's it's open. You know, guys are not wearing masks, and it's uh, uh, just so good to see people and, and just be out and, and being in the business of sport and, and getting a sense of here's what tomorrow. You know, to not only today but what tomorrow could look like. It's uh, yeah, it's really really good to see. Well, plus you see an alumni, uh, another alum all the time because you work with. Uh, certain number 28 so you guys are easily the best uh i always like the the idea like looking at a basketball coaching staff like which one if they played a game would be the best clearly you guys have the best secondary of any uh athletic department in the country absolutely and and just being with you know daryl's someone that uh, i mean i obviously love like a a brother and uh he's he's just an incredible human being as you know let alone what he did on the field but he's he, he was an amazing player and an even better human being. I mean, it's just his heart for uh, for young people and, and, and fans and, and, and people alike. And they just really, it's so rewarding to be at a, a Mason basketball game, you know, with Daryl and just seeing the people. Because we have so many crossover fans that are, you know, Washington uh, Commanders fans and Redskins fans. And um, so it's just it's just really neat to see people flock to him uh, at a sporting event or, or just even on campus once. Now, our, some of our students don't know who I am or who he was, sure. for sure. But once they do, and, and some of our players are student athletes, it, it's really cool to see. <laughs> well, I can I can imagine. I've reached an age where I make some of, uh, several of my references go over everybody's head or I'll say, you know, that is like no idea. I'm like, oh, well, that's like a really famous person, but I, I, I get it. Um, I, you know, when I see the alumni together, it almost feels like you guys are like in amber, like all the all the good vibes from back in that era with, the, with Joe Gibbs and winning the champ Super Bowls and being a contender and everything that kind of comes with that. Just it feels like whenever you guys are together, like that good. It's like it's like that good times are still going on. Is that kind of how how it feels? Absolutely, it it really does, and it, and it's almost like you never lost that, and it's. Uh, and it is a reminder of how much success, uh, tremendous success was, uh, see you pal, was, um, you know, really uh, had by this organization and and how much people appreciated that and, and how much we all have appreciated it. And it's, in many ways, it, it never really left for, for all of us. But it, uh, yeah, to your point, it is, it is very organic and very natural when you, when you see these guys come back together and, uh, and share their experiences and their memories and their, you know, affinity for one another and for the fans and how much the whole area in the city, you know, meant to uh, and the organization meant to all of our our lives. Yeah, no, with 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 that it out. Uh, Tress Way was given an award for the uh, special teams player of the year and he was saying how, I mean, Tress is a great talker and all, but like he was saying how sort of like humbly it is not just to be an NFL player but to do it in the nation's capital and and what that represents did you when you started to come here because you weren't here originally did you have that sort of vibe as well absolutely and and I grew up in southeastern North Carolina so you you followed Washington I mean that was your team and uh, and I've said it many many times and, and kidded people there was a, a neighborhood 
not far from from where I grew up, and uh, these folks, and because they lived on a main street with a double yellow line, <laughs> and they bought this old school bus and they painted it burgundy and gold and, and put Redskin Special on the side of it. They'd load that thing up every week, and I always wanted to get on that bus. I'm like, <laughs> God, if I could do anything to get on that bus and go to a Washington Redskin game, and uh, so I kind of grew well, up. You did a little bit better than that. Yeah, I know, right? I was very, very, very fortunate. So uh, I, I sort of grew up with that and, uh, and kind of being in the, you know, in a, in a state, you know, with some adjacency here and, and just. But you you certainly saw and experienced very early on wherever you went. It could be in New York or it could be in Los Angeles. The turnout of people that would come out in those areas and you realized how big. Uh, you know, the, the, the brand really, really was. Yeah, for sure. Um, before we started recording, we were talking about uh, college basketball and everything. And uh, speaking of Joe Gibbs, you mentioned that an incredibly famous college basketball coach was hitting you up because he wanted to learn about how Joe Gibbs did his uh, did his meetings and everything. Rick Pitino. Yeah. Tell, tell me about that. And, and that's not really uncommon. I mean, most high-level coaches in other sports that I talk to, at some point, the conversation will turn to Joe Gibbs. I mean, they all want to know the, the, those really successful coaches. And I mean, literally, Rick Pitino said, "I want to talk to you about a guy, but hey, I need to know I need to know everything about Joe Gibbs." And and literally, we spent an hour and a half talking about doing a just medical, deep forensic dive <laughs> into Joe Gibbs, how he ran his meetings, how he did player selection how he ran his practices, how he handled discipline, how he handled in-game adjustments. I mean, it, it, Rick wanted to know everything. It was, it was real, really amazing. When, when people ask you about Joe Gibbs, I'm sure there's a, obviously you talk for an hour and a half, there's a litany of things. Is there like one component, if you had to just sort of say, distill it all into one thing that made Joe Gibbs who he was? He, he just was he's so smart. I mean, the guy is so intelligent and he's so obsessed with perfection in practice and preparation. I mean, that that perfection and that obsession is, to me, are the things that just drove him and made him just unbelievably great, where, where we would come out of a, a week of preparation. And, and sometimes you would get into a game and it would feel slow. The pace of play until the other team kind of caught up with the the pace of play of the, of the Washington teams at that point. Um, it was it was noticeable, and uh, I just think that, that kind of combination of those things. I mean, there are just so many things, and he's such a good human being, and, and the way he he never he really kind of Daryl Green and I talk about it all the time. I mean, he really was the epitome of today's modern coach 30 years ago. Right. It, it, you know, and that 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 shouldn't be an anomaly, but it it, it is. Yeah. There has been, and. and you know, I think fortunately, you know, you could say unfortunately, but really fortunately, we're getting to that point in, in coaching where, you know, you do have to treat people a certain way with a certain amount of dignity and respect. And, and Joe did that, but he had, he did it with tremendously high expectations. I, I, absolutely. Well, he did a great job as a guy, as a kid who was rooting for you guys back in the day. I was very, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not even biased. Joe Gibbs, in my opinion, other than maybe Belichick, the best NFL coach ever to win those Super Bowls, different quarterbacks, change styles, great stuff. Uh, let's talk. Go transition back to your day job. Right, right. Uh, and, and not to just not to overlook all the other sports that you have to deal with, but the men's college of basketball is obviously typically the main sport for you guys. 
give us the scouting report. Kim English is running the show. You were just telling me you got a pretty deep team. What uh, t- tell everybody what what Mason's about this here? Yeah, I think you know I really I really believe, and it looks like to me, you know, to be the deepest. This is the most depth we've certainly had in the, you know, which will be the nine years that I've been at Mason, and it's been. You know, I came right after we transitioned from the CAA, um, <clears throat> uh, the Colonial Athletic Association Conference, to the Atlantic 10. And the Atlantic 10 is a big time. You know, it's going to be out of the 33 conferences, you know, in any year, seven to, to nine in that ranking right. range. So it's it's a big time conference. We've had three first round draft picks, you know, come out of the conference in the last five or six years. So, you know amazing as good a guard play as you'll find um you know in the country great coaches so you know i'm excited about this team it's certainly the tallest and longest team that we've had that was something that was a real uh you know for me personally you know i wanted to uh i kind of wanted to grow the uh you know the physical acumen if you will of our of our attributes of our team and kim's done a phenomenal job of doing i mean he was a six six point guard you know so he he kind of sees that as well and, and he's to me just epitomizes you know what the future of college basketball in, in college basketball coaching looks like I mean he's I'm a huge fan of his you know this guy is incredibly not only was an amazing athlete and player uh, second round draft pick obviously of Detroit Pistons but unbelievably smart amazingly com- communicative and uh He's just really, really engaging and, and uh, brings, you know, a care for the full player. Um, and, and his ability to manage in-game is, is really, really good and, and growing. And he'll continue to, you know, for a guy that's, you know, in his early 30s, I mean, he's just doing a tremendous job you yeah. know, all the way around. And I was telling you before that, just, you know, I, 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 have, I follow George Mason on various accounts and you know i see the things on twitter and social media and his presence i mean i'm mostly paying attention to football like i've got 25 people on notifications and it's mostly the adam shefters and people on my beat but i still see kim english a lot he's clearly putting himself out there not just to say hey we're going to be a good team but to talk to the community do different shows and i think that's so important uh for any program but especially you know you guys are and it's authentic right i mean that's the thing none of that is made up with, with some people, you know, it's made up. It, with Kim, it's it's just who he is, and he's not afraid to open up a practice and say, C- "Come in, you know, we don't have to build a wall around it." You know, he has enough confidence um, and and self, you know, determination, self belief that he can. He's just very open about what we're doing and what we're about and uh, who we are and how we do things. And it's to me, it's been very refreshing. Um, is, is the Jim McKay Chevrolet three-pointer still a thing? It is, and we hope it'll continue <laughs> to be a thing. We're so we're, we're so appreciative to our great friends at Jim McKay uh, Chevrolet. If that's a plug for them, there so. you go. No, I just always uh, it, 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 like going to see you guys. Like I often, I would go to cover Georgetown and Maryland, and that felt more like an NBA thing. Right. You guys, it felt like the the, the local the a local team. More, and, yeah, right, a little more collegiate. You yeah, know, we. we as most of college sports is starting to kind of blur a line between <laughs> right. uh, collegiate and professional in, in the way it's presented. So, um, but we are in a pro town, but we have yeah. tried to, to keep some of our, 
uh, collegiate roots, if you will. Well, go check out uh, the, the men's basketball team at all the George Mason schools. Patriot Center uh, should be a good place to be this year. Uh, great to see you. I'm glad, uh, glad you got to see your guys, and uh, we'll, we'll look forward to catching up uh, during the year. Appreciate it, Ben. Big fan of yours in uh, Washington. Man, let's, we we, we want to have a great year this year. We'll, we'll see what happens. Thanks, ma'am. All right, pal.